0: Welcome into to a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, one Nebraska congressman is not happy with some of the ideas coming out of the recent COP28 event in Dubai. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization released a memo wanting the Western Hemisphere to eat less red meat. Republican Representative Mike Flood from Nebraska introduced a resolution in the House pushing back against that idea.
1: I thought, well, the global elitists are up to it again. When you live in Nebraska and you hear what's coming out of Dubai, it's so nonsensical. Your first reaction is, who are these people and where do they come from? If We don't push back when this stuff is said. You never know who buys into this garbage and all of this stuff going on in Dubai with all the world leaders. They're serving big, juicy, fat hamburgers at the conference, which I think is fantastic. But yet they want to reduce beef consumption in the name of climate change.
0: Farmers and ranchers are the best environmentalists in the world, according to Flood.
1: The true environmentalists are actually the farmers and ranchers that live and work in places like Nebraska, in the middle of our country. We have more invested in the future health of the land that we work and the ecosystem that we contribute to. But one of the things that I think has gone completely off the rails is this idea that if we get rid of beef, that somehow the world's going to be better off. And the reality is there's a lot of places in this world that won't be fed if beef producers are on the sidelines.
0: Beef is the most efficient way to deliver protein to hungry people around the world. Flood says even other commodity groups recognize that fact.
1: You know, it only takes three ounces of beef to deliver the same amount of protein in three cups of quinoa. It's one of the most efficient ways to deliver protein. In our beef state, cattle are a critical part of the Golden Triangle that's supplying clean ethanol fuel around the world. I just met with a bunch of biofuels folks this morning, and they were reacting to this and just shaking their heads about what a disaster it would be if this actually got any traction. And the support that I'm getting from my colleagues in the House has been tremendous.
0: And he's expecting a similar resolution to be introduced in the Senate. Well, new research finds that 11% of Americans are food insecure. American Ag Network's Kaylee
2: O'Mang has the details. Food-insecure households have difficulty providing enough food for their members because they lack resources. USDA's Economic Research Service monitors the extent of food insecurity in U.S. households at the national and state levels through an annual U.S. Census Bureau survey. The state-level estimates are obtained by averaging three years of data to generate the larger sample size in each state. The national three-year average from 2020 to 2022 was 11.2% of American households classified as food-insecure. Of that 11.2%, findings range from 6.2% in New Hampshire to 16.6% in Alaska. Food insecurity was significantly higher than the national average in six states, including Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Texas. The prevalence of food insecurity was significantly lower in 17 states, including California, Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, North and South Dakota, and Wisconsin. I'm Kaylee Oming.
0: Well, the American Farm Bureau Federation was part of a letter to Congress expressing opposition to the estate tax. Dustin Shearer, Director of Government Affairs for the American Farm Bureau, talks about what was in the letter.
3: The Family Business Estate Tax Coalition, of which American Farm Bureau Federation is a member, sent a letter to Representatives Feenstra and Bishop, who plan on introducing the Death Tax Repeal Act in the House hopefully sometime in mid-January. Farm Bureau has long been opposed to any type of estate tax, and this particular bill would take the estate tax completely off the books.
0: A large number of groups signed on to the letter, including those that represent a variety of business outside of agriculture, shows how important the issue is to the overall economy.
3: It's very indicative of how important it is to small, privately held, family-owned businesses, farms, ranches. The estate tax is oftentimes talked about only with reference to somebody with a farm or a ranch trying to pass down a business from one generation to the next. But you apply those same principles to a family-owned small business that manufactures products or a family-owned construction company.
0: The American Farm Bureau has long been an outspoken opponent of the death tax.
3: For some reason, somebody at some point in history thought that somebody dying was a good enough reason to levy a tax on all of the assets that they had accumulated. We have always been philosophically just opposed to that. This particular tax makes it very difficult to transition a business from one generation to the next, which in many cases is all families want to do is keep the family in the business it's provided for the family. Over the
0: course of one generation, they want to make sure that it's there for the next. Again, that's Dustin Shearer from the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, good yields, strong 2023 farm incomes, a shortage of farmland for sale and moderating interest rates have farm real estate experts optimistic about keeping land values at current high levels heading into 2024. At DTN's Virtual Ag Summit on December 5th, farmland specialists were in general agreement about steady farmland values for next year. According to Howard Halderman, president of Halderman Farm Management in Indiana, he said, "Quote: We had some exceptional yields this fall. That combined with the potential for declining interest rates layered on top of soybean prices hanging in there at a high level, I think we're in for steady land values at these high levels through 2024." End quote. Now, from 2020 to 2023, farmland values jumped 30 to 40% in Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa, according to USDA. But during that same period, cropland in Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi increased only 10 to 11%. In the Delta, those land values haven't risen as fast as in the Corn Belt the past three years, but it's still a seller's market. According to Jeremy Stevens, partner and managing broker for National Land Realty in Little Rock, Arkansas, land-buying interest remains strong for top-quality cropland and marginal cropland with a high recreational value influenced by duck hunting. Well, South Dakota State University Extension is hosting a backgrounding Fundamentals webinar series via Zoom in January. Backgrounding can be utilized in a variety of business structures from cow-calf to feedlot or even as a standalone venture. Backgrounding cattle, sometimes referred to as growers or stockers, could serve as a cushion for a producer if the conditions are right. Additionally, grazing these calves can help drought-proof an operation as these grazing cattle can be sold quickly and that pasture could be allocated to the cow herd rather than selling off cows. Now, risk is a common term within the cattle industry and in today's volatile markets and with feed costs continually rising, SDSU Extension says education on ways to improve an operation's financial resiliency is becoming key for future success. Now, registration for the virtual webinar series is $30 per person to attend all three virtual meetings, and recordings will also be shared with participants at the conclusion of each session. The sessions, again, January 10th, 17th, and 24th, being hosted by South Dakota State University Extension. You can learn more by going to extension.sdstate.edu and searching for the Backgrounding Fundamentals webinar series. And finally, the National Agricultural Statistics Service is looking for feedback on its estimating programs. According to the Ag Statistics Board, they said in a news release that, quote, upon completion of the Census of Agriculture, the USDA's National Ag Statistics Service conducts a thorough review of its estimating programs. The goal of the review is to ensure that the annual estimating programs target the commodities and states most relevant to U.S. agriculture, end quote. The agency also says, in addition to the Ag Census data, NAS will consider all available information, including public input, when determining whether to add or remove specific programs when selecting the individual states included in each commodity program. With data collection for the 2022 Census already complete, the program review is now underway. Interested people can send comments about a specific program, along with contact information, to nasusda.gov. You've been listening to American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.